Good to be in God's house again today. Amen. We're coming together on another Lord's Day to worship and pray and hear His word and encourage each other. Doing that together right here in this place. Thought of those uh, words of the psalmist somewhere in the Psalms. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And I hope you're glad to be here today. Uh, just something about uh, church family and uh, being together. And I'm uh, grateful that you've made the effort to do that on a cold winter's day here in Woodland Park. Uh, the parking lot is a little bit of a mess. We've done our best out there. Be careful coming and going, okay? No injuries, no broken legs or anything like that. And we're going to mix it up a little bit today. I'm going to have you stand right now. And before Scott Green comes to give us some announcements, greet each other in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hugs and handshakes all the way around. Got a few announcements for you guys today. If you want to find your seats, um, in the bulletin you will see uh, there is a small connection card. Uh, we want, if you are new, uh, especially, to fill that card out, um, please, and put it in the offering when it comes comes by. We would love to get to know you better uh, and reach out to you uh, with with the information on that connection card. Uh, a second announcement we have is a class that's coming up. It's NAZ 101. Nazarene 101 is a chance to get to know the Church of the Nazarene. Uh, this is something especially for those that want to become members. It's a, it's a need for those that 
want to become members. But if you're just interested in learning more about the Church of the Nazarene, please uh, look into that. There is details in your bulletin about that. So look that up if you are if you are interested. Um, another announcement today: we have you've already started this. You may not have known it, but we are trying to do some Sunday morning assistance with people out in the parking lot. Um, so offering kind of a valet service, basically, for the, the drive-through. So we want anyone that is just interested in, in needing help with, um, with getting in and out of cars and, 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 not w- and wanting to avoid get going through the parking lot to, to use that service. Uh, if you need to learn more about that, please reach out to Cliff. Miller for for details on that, um, and please just check your bulletin for a lot of uh, a lot of information um, and a lot of other news items there. So we're going to go ahead and read. I will read today's scripture. It's from out of. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Psalms 24, we're going to read the whole thing. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. We want to um, go ahead and we will now we will dismiss the kids. We have Tracy at the back. I think we have a flag that you want to follow all the way out to uh, Children's Church. And go ahead and follow them on the way out if you are going to take part in today's Children's Church. And now we will go ahead and take this morning's tithes and offerings. If you could have the ushers come forward at this time. You guys go ahead and uh, bow with me as we bless this morning's tithes and offerings. Lord, we are thankful for all that you do for us. It's too many things to list or to count to, to know how far your blessings go in our lives, for all good things come from you, Lord. We want to give from out of that, give from that spirit back to you this morning. We pray that you would bless our humble givings this morning and multiply them and help um, help them bless your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Bless them, Lord, it's in your name.
going to go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to lead the prayer, but I want to invite all of you to participate in this time of prayer. There's some in our church family that are going through very difficult times, and they need us. They need us to be standing in the gap for them and praying for them. I want to invite um, someone to come forward to the altar and either kneel at the altar or to sit in the front row here, whichever is most comfortable for you. Just come forward and represent and pray for Diane Allen and Billy Allen. Diane is struggling with cancer. Would someone like to just come forward and during this time of prayer, we'll kneel here or sit, at, sit there and represent them and pray for them during this time. Going to invite someone to come forward and represent and pray for Gary Loring. And his wife, Julie. Gary's really struggling in the ICU. He's been there a long time. He needs our prayers. He needs a healing touch. Come and pray for them. George and Janine Carey's granddaughter, <coughs> who's uh, carrying their great-grandson, is having some, some issues and is in need of some prayer. Uh, pray for this baby, this unborn baby. Uh, anybody come forward? represent this little baby and pray for him and for his safety. And then also, um, Jerry Garcia lost his sister um, just a couple of weeks ago. And also, he is having some surgery in the meantime. Would someone like to come forward and pray for Jerry Garcia as he faces this surgery and as he grieves the loss of his sister? And also someone in our community, someone named Kathleen, lost a young son, um, a five-year-old son, um, this, this week. And we want to be especially praying for her and uh, her other son as they grieve this loss. So if you'd like to come forward and just pray for Kathleen and her, her other son, Isaiah, we welcome you to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so very much that you invite us to come to you, our Father, our Daddy, and to bring our requests to you. Father, I thank you so much for being such an approachable God, for not judging us, not stand, uh, being standoffish, but to say, come to me. I want to help you. I want to give you rest. I want to ease your burdens. I want to bring healing 
to you, to your family, to your church, to those that you love. Thank you, Father, for welcoming us into your presence. And Lord, we have come to worship you. You deserve all of our worship. You are our God. And we love, we honor, and we worship you today. And Father, we just thank you so much for the many ways that you have blessed us. And Father, we want to come to you uh, with those that we love. We lift up Diane Allen to you who's been struggling, who's been suffering so much with this cancer. We pray for her. We pray for her husband, Gary, who's there by her side. We pray for his healing as he's been dealing with some sickness this week. We just pray, Father, that you would just touch Diane, encourage her heart, bring healing to her body. Father, we pray for Gary Loring as he struggles there in the ICU. We pray for him. We pray for his healing. We pray that you'll touch him, that you'll repair his body, that you will remove any infection, that you'll bring healing to him. We pray also that you'll be with Julie, who's there every single day, and just help her, encourage her, help her to know, Lord, that you are with her. And Father, we pray for this unborn baby, and we just pray, Lord, that you will be with him. We pray, Jesus, that he will um, come into this world healthy and whole, and just pray, Father, that you will be with the entire family and give them your peace and help during this time. And we thank you, Lord, for being with Gary during this uh, time of grieving. We pray you'll continue to be with him as he grieves the loss of his sister. And, Father, be with him also as he goes into surgery tomorrow. We pray all goes well. And, Father, lift up, we lift up Kathleen, Isaiah, and just pray for them, Lord, that you'll comfort them and help them during this time of loss. And, Father, we just pray for each one here. Lord, you know what we are dealing with. Lord, you know that there's many here who have loved ones that have suffered with loss, who's dealing with illness. Whatever it might be, Jesus, we lift that up to you. You know their situation. You know them by name. And I just pray, Father, that you meet them at their point of need. And, Father, I do pray for us spiritually, Lord. I pray, Father, that if any of us are struggling or maybe there's some here that are just questioning whether you are real, whether you really love them, whether you really died for their sins. Father, I just pray that you will come into our lives, that you will work in a powerful way, that you will draw each and every one of us to yourself. Father, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us, Lord, when we are disobedient. Father, we come to you, we confess our sins to you, and we ask for your forgiveness. Please forgive us. And Father, we thank you. We thank you so much that you are such a merciful and gracious God, and you forgive us. Help us, Lord, to forgive those who sin against us. Help us, Father, to walk in your way, and help us to be Christ's hands and feet to everyone that we meet. And Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. Give us open ears now to what you have for us to learn today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Jeff. 
singing with you again today. Anybody uh, remember what Ebenezer means in that uh, beautiful hymn arrangement we sang? Thus far has the Lord helped us. I remember we had a message about that back in the fall. Do you still have a rock somewhere with that scripture reference on it? I see it every day. Thus far has the Lord helped us. And he's going to help us in the days ahead too. Amen? If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, I'll be preaching ultimately in Deuteronomy 30. I'll explain that a bit in a few minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 30. It's good to my word that if you send me some pictures of your grandkids, I will show them on Sunday morning. So I've got a few. Keith and uh, Leisha Lance have a beautiful granddaughter, Mabe. Isn't she a doll? Broxicks have a grandson, good-looking guy named Dylan. How do you like that? Uh, Kelly prayed for uh, Janine and George Carey's potential grandson. That's still on the way. They're all their grandkids that have uh, kind of grown up on them. Not to be outdone, uh, I think Jerry and Janine Garcia have 25. I'm going to have to land a group picture of their grandkids one of these days. That's good. And then I thought I'd show you the most recent picture of Raina. That's Brianne Miller's uh, uh, little daughter. We prayed for her when she was in the hospital before the holidays. Beautiful. And then there's ours, Emmy. Kelly says she looks so much like Rachel Green in that picture. And I think she does. I've got another reason for showing uh, off those beautiful grandkids. Uh, and I'll get to that in just a few minutes. Just got one more picture, I think. Uh, your church board gave us a gift for coming back to be with you for a winter in Colorado. And we've been wearing those things. I might have to start wearing it to bed. It's freezing cold around here. And uh, thanks to our board and their generosity to us and to you all. The message today may sound a little bit like one of the New Testament letters when the apostles Peter or Paul or John would take up a variety of topics within the space of about a chapter. It's interesting when you think about those New Testament letters, uh, uh, those apostles would write those letters and they would be delivered to various churches just like ours across the Roman Empire and they would actually be read in the service. And the reason I note that is that once in a while, especially the Apostle Paul would call out particular people in that church, they would be right there in the letter. I'm thinking of Philippians. When Paul wrote, hey, Cheryl and Bernie, you guys got to learn to get along in that church. Somebody help them out. Now, I'm picking on those two because I know they get along. But, I mean, that's what would happen on a Sunday morning. Aren't you glad we're not living back in those days? But my message, <laughs> amen. My message uh, may uh, sound a little bit like that. No single focus this morning. I've got a few things on my heart that I believe God would be pleased that I share. I was trying to think of a, a title or a theme that would tie them all together. And the best I can come up with perhaps today. But what I want to share is uh, the theme of choosing life. Choosing life. After a great message on hope at the beginning of the year, January 1, by Tim Stearman. Mm. Are you feeling hopeful today? I'm just going to pause. Are you? If you're feeling hopeful today, say amen. 
Just thinking about that message that Tim preached on January 1 made me think of the words of the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 1, 3, I think. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it makes me think again that when it looked like it was all over, when it looked like we should have put a, a period at the end of the sentence of our, uh, uh, our hope, when Jesus hung dying on a cross, when it couldn't have gotten any darker, it was in that very moment that God was doing his very greatest work. And it wasn't over at all. And three days later, God raised Jesus from the dead, and that's where our hope is today. Amen? So a good start to the new year. We devoted the next two Sundays of this new year to messages on worship and prayer. No greater calling for any of us than to give our full attention to God, who He is and what He's done in praise and thanks. No greater calling, no greater privilege than to speak to and listen to God in prayer. Set aside time each day to be alone with the Father, with the Scriptures open, and with your heart open. Make this gathering where we worship and pray and hear God's Word together a priority. I thought of John Wesley, Brother Mike McNally, who loves John Wesley. I thought of John Wesley who struggled in his spiritual journey, even as a minister of the gospel. And one evening, reluctantly gathered like we're gathering here today with the Moravian brethren. And in that service that night, in his own words, felt his heart strangely warmed and gained an assurance of his salvation. And I suppose John Wesley was never the same, nor was the world. For God used that to fully surrender to Christ a man to uh, lead change across the pond, and it hopped over here in ways that are remarkable. I thought of all the times that I've spent alone with God or together with God's people when God just breathed new life into me. And He'll do that as we meet with Him and meet with His people and open our hearts to Him. I would suggest this morning worship and prayer is choosing life. This is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Got some pictures, Lisa, that you can scroll there. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday established by President Ronald Reagan on January 22nd, 1984. I think it was during his presidency that we came to Gaithersburg, Maryland. And as you look at those uh, slides scrolling, you'll see my other reason for showing off those beautiful grandkids, because not one of them would be born had not a mom or a dad chosen life. The Church of the Nazarene recognizes and acknowledges the sanctity of human life. From the manual of the Church of the Nazarene, the Church of the Nazarene affirms the sanctity of human life as established by God the Creator and believes that such sanctity extends to the child not yet born. Life is a gift from God. All human life, including life developing in the womb, is created by God in His image and is therefore to be nurtured, supported, and protected. 
Next slide, please, Lisa. We oppose induced abortion by any means when used for either personal convenience or population control. We oppose laws that allow abortion. Next slide, please. The Church of the Nazarene recognizes that consideration of abortion as a means of ending an unwanted pregnancy often occurs because Christian standards of sexual responsibility have been ignored. Therefore, the church calls for persons to practice the ethics, the guidance of the New Testament as it bears upon human sexuality. You can move on from there, Lisa. In other words, we often get to difficult situations and difficult decisions in our life because we haven't been making decisions that line up with God's good and pleasing and perfect will along the way. We are a pro-life, choose-life church. Just a note, uh, my preaching during these uh, 10 months that we've been with you has had a more particular focus, given where you are and our role here, than what my preaching would typically have uh, taken over the course of a year. And being faithful to preach the word, and that's our call. Paul gave that to Timothy. Preach the word, in season and out of season. In being faithful to preaching the word, I have taken time through the years, especially these last several years, of addressing some of the pressing issues of our day and reminding the church that we have a responsibility to do the same. Issues of justice, racial issues, responsibility for the poor, human sexuality, and on the list goes, all taken up in the scriptures. As a church, we're called to be salt and light, showing the way, preserving what's good in our country, in our culture, in our world. And we can't avoid issues that affect millions of lives just because they're tough issues or hot-button topics or because our biblical stands are unpopular or out of sync with the current culture or because our current Christian culture or church culture is out of sync with biblical standards. We've got to uh, address those. I don't plan to address any of those other issues today, perhaps not during our uh, time remaining here. We'll see. But I would like to share a thought or two uh, that may challenge you for the days ahead. On this issue of abortion, for example, and this is true for all of those uh, other issues, the church has a prophetic role. We must proclaim truth, and we must proclaim it in love. We must do it with compassion. We must do more than protest. We must help those making life or death decisions to choose life by doing something to help them, by praying for them, by supporting them, by making a difference in the circumstances that contribute to those situations. I'd encourage you under the leadership of your new pastor to uh, prayerfully consider just how you can do that in this community and perhaps across this country and in other parts of the world. I'm going to come back to the manual of the Church of the Nazarene. I appreciate uh, the additional 
statement, responsible opposition to abortion requires our commitment to the initiation and supportive programs designed to provide care for mothers and children. I appreciate the Church of the Nazarene's compassion on this issue and all others. Next slide, please, Lisa. The Church of the Nazarene also recognizes that many have been affected by the tragedy of abortion. Each local congregation and individual believer is urged to offer the message of forgiveness by God for each person who has experienced abortion. Our local congregations are to be communities of redemption and hope to all who suffer physical, emotional, and spiritual pain as a result of the willful termination of a pregnancy. We meet everyone where they are. We address these difficult issues with compassion and love and mercy. Well, there's a lot more I could say on that, but uh, perhaps another time, Lord willing. Life is sacred and a gift from God, whether it's black or white or brown, rich or poor or middle class, young or old or middle-aged, born or unborn. Life is sacred. On the Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, two things recently illustrated for me that deep down we know about the sacredness of life. On our trip back east before the holidays or over the holidays, uh, we stopped in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where there is now a national memorial for the victims of uh, Flight 93 on 9-11, 20-plus years ago. We had stopped by there uh, several years ago when it was just a makeshift memorial, which was moving, to say the least. And now they have a beautiful vi visitor center and a large uh, outdoor complex of various uh, things in memory of that uh, flight, that event, those people. In an area outside of the visitor center, there was a plaque with the names and pictures of all the passengers and crew members of Flight 93. One of the 40 who were on board was a young lady, age 36, by the name of Lauren Patuzzi Grancola. There's her picture. She was a consultant and rider on her way home from her grandmother's funeral in New Jersey. Under her name, and this really struck me on that plaque in that area we were standing, were these words, and her unborn child. Lauren Grancola's and her unborn child. And it struck me that it didn't say, and a fetus. And it didn't ignore the fact that Lauren was carrying a child. Turns out there were 41 on Flight 93 that day, and the federal government acknowledged it. You may be able to guess what my second illustration will be this morning. You can scroll those pictures, Lisa. We've all been in tune with the story of Buffalo Bills cornerback DeMar Hamlin. Uh, the Bengals and the Bills are playing today, right? One o'clock. Won't that be a game? We have uh, dear friends down in the Springs, uh, Steve and Judy Kibbe. And they came up this week uh, for dinner, and I mentioned to uh, them that I was going to be at least touching on this uh, age. Uh, Lisa, 
keep that last slide up there, if you would. I was going to be touching on this subject uh, of the sanctity of life and noting this being that day each year that we remember that. And Judy emailed me some thoughts that she's sharing down at Trinity uh, Church of the Nazarene in the Springs this morning. And I thought she nailed it. I got permission to use what she's going to share. Here's what she wrote. Damar Hamlin, tackling and down. The chaos stopped. The noise silenced. Life hanging in the balance. Coaches, players, officials, staff, fans kneeling, praying, or being reverent while emergency medical personnel perform CPR. ESPN announcer, it's on my heart that I want to pray right now. I'm going to do it out loud, going to close my eyes and going to bow my head and and going to pray for him. Prayed on national TV, no approval from the Supreme Court or other governing body. He just prayed to God. The other sportcasters bowed their heads, and when he finished, both said, Amen. America knows the sanctity of life. We need to stop the chaos around us, silence the noise, and listen and remember the sacredness of every life. Judy, if you're watching, that's powerful. That's inspired. And I believe it's true. Sounds a lot like Psalm 4610. Be still. Get quiet. Stop your striving and know that I am God. Our lives are so cluttered, our minds so cluttered. What are we thinking these days? We need to be still. Let me turn from the unborn to those of us who were born and are still living, who too must choose life. Here's where things get a little messy in my notes. There's a lot that just makes us sad in life, isn't there? Seems like we've been running into a lot of that since we've been back from the holidays. Sometimes it just flat out makes me angry. I get frustrated. That's when I pray for a deeper love that God could turn my my anger into sadness. I think that's what happened for Jesus thought about his coming down the hillside there on the triumphal entry and he looked down over Jerusalem knowing what was ahead for them. A lot of destruction, a lot of misery, a lot of grief. And, and knowing what they had done through the centuries in their willful disobedience to God, yet he didn't get angry in that moment. He wept over the city. Yesterday we attended a memorial service and Kelly prayed for... Uh, the mother of this little boy and his big brother, Liam, almost five, would have been five in March. Uh, You might have heard the story in the news. His dad uh, shot and killed him and then shot himself. Estranged husband to Kathleen. That's a tough service. One of the pastors from community uh, church had a great message. I told him afterwards he hit it out of the park. What a great word. Drawing from the story of Job, 
He had a lot of good things to say, but one of the things that uh, really struck me, this is a bit of an aside here, is that comfort comes not in explanations, but in presence. Hold on to that for those in your life that go through tough times. Comfort does not come from explanations, but from presence. And nowhere in the book of Job did God ever explain to Job why. He just revealed himself to Job. And for Job, that was enough. That's beautiful. That's powerful. I believe that. But there is a why. And I can trace everything like this that happens in this world back to our sin and not living the way God has asked us to live. God has leaned, and you can move forward with that. Oh, before you do, come back to that. Uh, Paula Harper put that flower arrangement together, our own Paula, and that's beautiful, Paula. Thank you for doing that. And to Tanisha and Danny Baker for being there to support Kathleen and, and Isaiah. That's beautiful. God has leaned into this world that he made and told us how it's going to work. And he wants it to work. He said, here's what you do, and here's what you don't do. And if you don't do that and you do do these things, then life is going to be just what it was intended to be. Some days I say, the world has gone mad. You ever say that? But it's not madness. It's rebellion. Most of the times in subtle kinds of ways, but rebellion nonetheless. And rebellion left unchecked, unrecognized, unacknowledged, blinds our eyes and darkens our understanding. And bit by bit, choice by choice, day by day, we get to places that we never would have dreamed we could ever get. So perhaps the challenge for me today and for you as folks walking with God, I'm guessing most of us here today are doing that. Don't let anything go unchecked or unrecognized or unacknowledged. And the beautiful good news of the gospel is that when I screw up, when I sin, when I fall short, I can recognize it and I can turn from it. I can repent. I can ask God to forgive me. I can apologize where needed. I can make things right where I can, and then I can go on in His grace. Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In his fourth chapter, second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes this, The God, small g, of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. If we want life to work, we've got to live that life with God. And thanks be to God we can. He's not just telling us what to do. He's helping us do it. Live life for God and live by His word.
a word that he's made known. We've got it right here. Ah, finally back to Deuteronomy 30. I want to read beginning at verse 11. This passage uh, came to mind this week in the midst of all these things that were on my heart. Moses was coming down to the end of his life and ministry, ready to hand the baton off to Joshua. He wanted to speak one last time to the people of Israel and challenge and encourage, encourage them one last time. I suppose if I have a text this morning, this would be it. Verse 11, Deuteronomy 30. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it so we can obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it so we may obey it. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. Not only has God told us how this life works, he has given us the ability to understand it and do it. It is not impossible. It is not beyond us. We can live this life for God and live according to his word. Verse 15, see I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. thought popping in my head when I read that word destroyed, it's like, you know, sudden, utter destruction, like fire from heaven or whatever. But that destruction can come bit by bit, day by day, over the course of a lifetime. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. Verse 19, this day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture for me. Now choose life for the unborn, for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for your neighbors, for your extended family, for those you work with, for the people in this community and across this country and around this world. Note the importance of the commands of God in this passage. We choose life every time we do what God has told us to do. Every time we make choices in step with God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Jesus says that he came that we might have life and have it to the full. That's what he's all about. Just to connect a few dots, there's where so much of our hope is. 
and simply doing what God said and living according to his word and knowing his word, keeping it separated. There's where the hope is. That's where my hope is. I don't perfectly keep his word every single day of my life. I am not perfect. And the good news is that I know I have some untapped resources. I can be better tomorrow. (laughs) Praise be to his name. This is bonus material. I'm watching my clock here. I shared this years ago uh, in our old church. I don't know. I think it stuck with some people. This is kind of a particular application uh, at this point. Three things not to do in this pastor's humble opinion that will reduce the trouble in your life by 80%. You ready? Y'all write these down, especially if you're young. Three things that you don't do if you want to reduce the trouble in your life by 80%. One, don't drink. Just don't. Number two. Don't go into debt. Number three, don't have sex outside of a marriage relationship. I share those three things from 37 years of pastoral experience and wading into people's lives that are in trouble. You know how much debt and drinking and sex outside of marriage has contributed to where they are in their lives? I'm not condemning anyone here. I'm not putting a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying especially young folks, you want to avoid a lot of trouble. Reduce it by 80%. Avoid those things. I can trace all the bad stuff in life right back to doing what God has told us not to do or not doing what God has told us to do or the collateral damage in all of that. And sometimes I shake my head and I say, why can't we see that? On a somewhat lighter note, I did something really stupid a week ago Monday. You want to hear about it? (laughs) Happened right here in this space. I was playing pickleball, making my comeback after three weeks off at holiday season, really anxious to get back and play. Kelly and perhaps some of you have learned I'm pretty competitive. Well, I got to game number eight, playing over here on this court with one of my friends I've made in pickleball, and I was playing against Jim Rumsey and another really good guy. I'm going to confess this to Jim. I really wanted to beat you that day. And in game number eight, I felt a little tweak in my right calf. Oh, boy. But I didn't want to stop. I wanted to beat Jim Rumsey. Did. Game number nine, about halfway through that game, something in my right calf popped and it hurt. Everything went kind of black for a second. I thought, oh golly, man, I started gimping pretty bad. Jim Rumsey didn't notice though. And I whispered to my partner, I said, partner, my right calf is hurting big time. Cover me a little bit. And I knew I shouldn't. I knew I should quit. That was so dumb, but I kept playing. And to make things worse, Jim Rumsey beat us. Jim Rumsey hadn't heard any of that until right now. I mean, I, uh, 
what does that illustrate? Well, you could probably guess, you know, uh, uh, whatever I need to work on. But there's a willfulness. There's a pride. There's a tendency that can linger in us to still want to be calling the shots and not doing what's right. That if we don't recognize that and let God do something about that, we're going to be off in the weeds. And it's not just about avoiding trouble for ourselves. It's about making the world a better place. Where all of my actions, all of my decisions, all of my choices have a ripple effect on the lives of others. Every one of them. It's about making the world a better place maximizing my opportunity to do that, joining God in redeeming the world. It's really about thriving. That's what God wants us to do. Which brings me to my, my final point as I come down the stretch here. Second uh, Peter 3.18, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Do I say that about a lot of verses? <laughs> but it really is one of my favorites. comes at the end of this third chapter in Second Peter where Peter describes the apocalyptic and fiery end of the world. And he says, in light of that, you know, what kind of lives ought you to live? And you think, well, in light of that, I ought to go, you know, build me a bunker to get in when the end comes or whatever. He says, no, just live a holy life. And then at the very end of this apocalyptic chapter, uh, the Apostle Peter says this, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Kind of sounds like truth in life. God wants us to grow, to thrive, to live an abundant life. I put a little something in your bulletins this morning. Could you pull those out? I think I've included two in each bulletin. So if there are a couple of you sharing, you each have one. Back home, I passed these out every January for years and years and years. They became known as the annual checkup. A few folks back home would say it was the annual guilt fest because they weren't doing so hot on a lot of these items. But making you feel guilty is not the intention, though guilt can serve a purpose in our lives still yet today. Amen? And I'd say if you're not hitting on all cylinders in uh, the departments that I have summarized there, then uh, look at that in a positive way. There's reason for hope that this year can be better, be better than the year before, that you can be better. And I think we all would like to do that. So there's a checklist of the disciplines, the practices, the choices we can make organized around five categories, physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, and financial. One financial question. And as we uh, commit ourselves to those disciplines, those practices, those means of grace, we're maximizing our opportunity for a healthy, whole life. I had thought about walking down through those with you this morning, but I think I'll just encourage you to spend some time with this in the coming weeks. Devotion to these practices, good choices, and means of grace is choosing life. And I include things in there like getting enough exercise or eating well, 
or clearing things up with someone uh, with whom your relationship is strained, um, addressing any emotional issues in your life. Maybe that's depression. Maybe that's anxiety. A lot of that these days. I deal with a little depression in my life. And they all connect. Just give you this example. If I don't uh, exercise frequently or have a good plan for how my week's going to go, make some lists, if things get out of control or I get overwhelmed, I have too much going, sure enough, that's going to be a trigger for depression. And if I'm depressed, that's going to hurt my relationships, my ability to muster the kind of emotional energy that it takes to have good relationships. They all connect. So getting enough exercise, taking care of these bodies that God has given us might be as important as opening your Bible and reading that each morning. See what I'm saying? Take some time with that. I trust you to do it. In this world that will come to an abrupt and fiery end one day, in this world gone mad, in this world of rebels being redeemed, Peter says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, grow in grace. See, the Christian life isn't just uh, strive, strive, strive to be better. It's receiving the free gift of God's love and mercy each and every day. Isn't that awesome? God loves you unconditionally. Grow in your intimate, experiential knowledge of Jesus. Rather than this strive, 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 I think the Christian life is more like the ripening of fruit on the vine. And the vine is Jesus. Wrapping up, what's the common denominator in this uh, hodgepodge of a message this morning? Choosing life, yes, but who is the source of life? God is. In him we live and move and have our being. He gives us life and breath and everything else. That's scripture, Acts. Maybe the common thread is a call to walk with God, to have a relationship with God, the God who made this world, the God who made you. He's shown us how we should live, a God who delights to see us thriving, a God who values every single life, born and unborn. A God who invites us to talk to Him and who speaks to us. A God whose deeds and character, whose deliverance and help and redemption and deep love calls us to worship. I always like what the Westminster Confession says. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I suppose that's the common thread in all of this, isn't it? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back. and We're going to close with a song in just a moment. It's a song uh, we've sung a couple of times, I think, since we've been here. It gives us an opportunity to offer ourselves to God. Maybe you need some hope today. Maybe you're not feeling so hopeful. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe an addiction has, has you in an arm hole. Maybe uh, you're dealing with some uh, stuff that just seems impossible. 
Maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. You haven't come to believe in him. haven't come to give your life to him. This could be that day. Maybe you've been walking with uh, God for decades. Christ is Savior, absolutely. But you need him to breathe new life into you today. The source for all of that and more is here. And the means of gaining all that God has for us is offering himself to us. I'd like us to stand as we sing. Let's just offer ourselves to God today. He wants to work in us. He wants to be our helper. Praise be to God.
are entered through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. My prayer for you is that you have entered into that narrow gate, that you are on the narrow road that leads to life, not on the road that leads to destruction. I would like to just linger here up front for a few minutes after the service. If you'd like to pray, I would love to pray with you. If you aren't sure which road you're on, we can talk about it and we can pray together. But I'd love that opportunity today to just pray with you if you'd like to come up and pray. Also, I just want to remind you that we're going to have prayer back in the chapel area. Uh, gather together there in just about 10 minutes to pray for God's leading as to our new pastor here. So I invite you to join for that prayer. Well, let's pray and end the service today. Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you so much for the life that you give us. Father, you are holding out your hand to us. You are wanting us to come to you. You are wanting us to say, yes, Lord, I want to enter through the narrow gate. I want to be on that road, that path that leads to life. I pray, Father, that each and every one is on that path. Lord, it does involve surrendering. It involves giving up our will for yours, Lord. But, Father, we will never regret the day that we do that. Because on that narrow path, Lord, that leads to life, there is peace, there is joy, there is community, and there is love. And I pray that each one here is experiencing that. Father, we give the rest of this day to you. We just ask you to, to go through those doors with us and to walk this day with us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.